You're listening to Radio Looks Listed. I'm your host, Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me for episode 48. The title of today's episode is Interview with Open Air Preacher Ryan Denton. And Ryan, welcome to the program today. Thanks for having me on. Hey, yeah, it's so great to have you on here and uh, just get a chance to, to kind of catch up with you here a little bit on the uh, on the pre-interview. It's uh, been a real uh, real blessing to, to have a chance to talk to you now after it's been almost, gosh, a year and a half, I guess, since uh, since I was down there in El Paso with you guys. Yeah, you know, the thing is, too, man, when, when you came from uh, Ohio, right? Yeah. Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, you know, obviously we have a lot of snow in Texas right now. And, and uh, so I'm actually envious that you're in Ohio and I'm in Texas in the middle of February, which is kind of <laughs> ironic. Uh, but, yeah, man, so, I, you know, last time you were in El Paso, we, uh, we got to go to the mountains on the, on the retreat together yeah. and um, talk a little bit. And so I've been blessed by, by what you're doing and by your work here. And so I, I'm pleased to be on. All right. Well, it's uh, exciting to have you here today. And, and, uh, for those, uh, for, for our listeners here, in case you're not familiar with, uh, with Ryan Denton's work, let me just read you a little bio from, uh, of, uh, Ryan. This actually, I, I stole this, uh, biography out of his, uh, out of his book, A Certain Sound, which, uh, is going to be one of the subjects of our, uh, of our discussion here today. But, uh, Ryan Denton is a Reformed Baptist and graduate of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's engaged in open air preaching as both a pastor and evangelist and is the director of Christ in the Wild Ministries, based out of El Paso and Albuquerque. He's also the co-author of A Certain Sound, a primer on open-air preaching, and has a new book due out soon titled Ten Modern, uh, uh, Ten Modern Evangelism Myths, A Biblical Corrective. So uh, that was uh, from your, your biography and from, uh, from 2019. I think you've added a little bit uh, to it since then. What else have you been up to since, uh, well, since that so, time? Well, so I... Yeah, I have another book called Even If None, Reclaiming Biblical Evangelism, and uh, that was out, that came out probably uh, 2000, late 2019 okay. from First Love Publications, and um, they, you know, if you want that book, you can actually, you can actually get that book for free from them, or you can find it on Amazon for like $7, something like that, okay. so, uh, uh, and then of course, yeah, so we also have since then moved from El Paso and now we're in central Texas and um, we are logistically in a spot where I can reach college campuses every day, different ones every day, uh, uh, cities, uh, Houston, Austin, San Antonio. Um, and then we have a uh, certain, uh, with that comes uh, more foot traffic, of course, but then you also have uh, like abortion clinics and things like that. So, um, we, we, since, you know, I, I guess we moved here in August of 2020 and here we are February, 2021. So we haven't been here that long. Um, but yeah, so our church in El Paso sent us out here to, to, uh, to preach the gospel and to, um, hopefully, uh, make disciples and, and just kind of see what the Lord does. But okay. yeah, it's been fun. It's, it's been, it's been really good out here so far. Yeah, well, that's that's great. And, and you call yeah. yourself, I think, I remember seeing a tweet from you, I think, and you maybe can correct me if I'm remembering incorrectly, but I, I seem to recall you said that you, the position you took, you call yourself an evangelist, not a missionary. Is that correct? <laughs> right. Well, so uh, technically, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's, it, I, you know, I, I know in our culture, we kind of use the word, we can use the word synonymously in a sense. Um uh, and to be honest, man, I mean, like sometimes I, I find myself saying I'm a missionary. Sometimes I, I find myself saying an evangelist. You know, the problem with an evangelist is that I think there's some baggage involved in that term. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, you kind of think of like uh, Billy Graham or perhaps, uh, you know, guys that, that'll preach like the, the extended uh, revival meetings. Um, so it's usually associated with Arminianism and things like that, in my mind anyways. Um, even though I know biblically it's, it's not that, you know, but I think just the way things have fallen out, people see the evangelist as in that light. And so, uh, so sometimes, I don't know, I think almost unconsciously I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a missionary to avoid the baggage. But then with missionary, um, you, you kind of see more of like a, a church planner, like right. specifically, exclusively a church planner. And that's, um, uh, that's, that's certainly not what I'm doing, uh, at least at the moment. And so, um, you know, there's, there's problems with that term also, but okay. yeah, I'd, so, you know, it's just kind of like whatever the day of the week is, you know, uh, because sometimes people talk about like domestic missionaries, right. which I guess I'm kind of a d- domestic missionary. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, whatever you want to call me, Steve, I've been called worse and, <laughs> and, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. And I, I love the fact that you brought yeah. up the, the, the reformed, you mentioned that and we're going to, we're going to get to talk about that in a little bit it, uh, shortly here. And I think that's one of the things that's so exciting and interesting about your ministry is, is the fact that you are reformed. And that's, I think that's a pretty mm-hmm. rare thing when it comes to, to doing open air ministry. So, um, mm-hmm. tell you what, why don't yeah. we just go ahead and, and dive into some of the questions here and, and see what we can find. Um, one of the things, and I thought this was really interesting, this is out of your book, A Certain Sound. You have a, uh, I, I thought it was a pretty striking quote from Charles Spurgeon. Of course, Charles Spurgeon was the great 19th mm-hmm. century uh, Reformed Baptist preacher in, in London. I'd like to go ahead and just and read this quote to you and, and just get your reaction to it. So this is mm-hmm. Charles Spurgeon, quote, No sort of defense is needed for preaching out of doors, but it would need very potent arguments to prove that a man had done his duty who has never preached beyond the walls of his meeting house. A defense is required, rather, for services within buildings than for worship outside of them, end quote. So what do you think about that uh, statement? So, right, so that can be uh, a bit off-putting for, um, let's say, pastors who have never preached outside the, the, the like Spurgeon saying there, outside the, the walls of mm-hmm. the meeting house, the church. Uh, and so that's not what he's saying in, uh, in a sense, you know, so his, his position when he says this, it's found in his, uh, lectures to my students. Um, he has two really good chapters on open air preaching. Um, and really he was kind of like the, the groundbreaking, uh, author on, on open air preaching. Mm-hmm. And so if like, if you go back into the history of it, you're not going to find a lot mentioned at all as far as like the methodology and, and how to do it and things like that. Um, until you find uh, uh, Spurgeon stuff in 1800. So um, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, so so the context is what he's saying is that he's saying a lot of times open air preaching gets a bad rap for being unbiblical. But he's saying, um, actually, there's there's so much uh, merit and in, in, in material that comes from Scripture to, to demonstrate that it is biblical. And it's actually the norm, really, in Scripture. If you think about it, you have um, of course, the prophets who are doing it, you have Noah who's doing it, you have Moses who's preaching, you know, in the open air. Um, anytime he's delivering an address, you have Joshua doing the same thing. And um, John the Baptist, of course, Jesus, most of his sermons are outside. All, you know, the Apostle Paul, he's doing it. Um, so he's basically saying, you know, if, if, if you want to really be nitpicky about it, uh, open air preaching actually has more uh, biblical merit to it than than, let's say, uh, preaching inside four walls, you know, so he's not saying that obviously you shouldn't preach in the church because, you know, he was a pastor and we know he wouldn't 
think that, but, uh, but he is saying that, um, you know, there, there needs to be, and Spurgeon, of course, he's, he's also groundbreaking in this and this kind of, it can kind of, it's certainly, um, controversial. And, and I'm, so I'm, I'll, I'll just tell you up front, I'm not a guy who feels like, uh, every pastor should be out open air preaching. Um, I used to be a pastor. I know they have a lot of responsibilities and a lot of stuff goes on as, you know, as far as what it takes to be a pastor. Um, but, you know, it would be healthy for a pastor to be preaching outside the church walls, let's say like in some, some particular ministry, I know like maybe a jail ministry or a homeless ministry or um, something like that. You know, I've heard one guy say that, you know, every pastor should have a, uh, a fishing hole. He was a pastor, a fishing hole outside of the church where you're intentionally basically evangelizing, you know, on a regular basis, maybe once every two weeks or, you know, et cetera. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what Spurgeon's hitting at on, on that front. So. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think that was really interesting when I, when I first read that quote and I, I got to thinking about it and, and I, I was thinking along the lines you are. I mean, you can think of these examples in scripture where, yeah. where men went out and did this, but, but I, I don't think I really ever focused on it or thought about it quite in that way until I saw that quote. And that's why it really, really stuck in my mind after, uh, after reading your book. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, what first attracted you to open air preaching? Yeah, you know, honestly, so Steve, I was, <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, it's a weird ministry. I was just thinking, literally, uh, I think it was this morning, actually, I was, I was in the shower, and um, I just gotten, so this morning, I was, I was talking to uh, a couple pastors in Louisville about open-air preaching, because they were doing a little bit, but they wanted to do more of it, and so after the phone, you know, I got in the shower, and I was thinking, man, this is a really strange ministry that the Lord's called me to. Uh, it's certainly not traditional. And, um, and I think that's, that's the thing though. That's, that's what kind of assures me that it is the Lord. I, the first time I saw open air preaching being done was my first day on a college or at my first day at, at the uh, university of New Mexico. I've been to college before, but, uh, my first, my first day when I started going to university of New Mexico years ago, uh, there was a guy, he was preaching, he had a Bible um, and I'm thankful he wasn't a shock and awe guy. He just had a Bible, very, you know, plain, just, just out there preaching. And he had a, had a crowd of like 30, 40 people and they were heckling him and yelling and stuff like that. But I was walking by and I was like, what is this guy doing? And then I realized he's got a Bible and I, he's preaching. And so I stopped and I just started listening. And I tell you, man, what I saw that, when I saw that happening, I, 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 I knew I had to do it, you know, um, <laughs> I, and, and ever since then, so, so after that, I mean, it was like another five or six years before I did it, maybe seven years before mm-hmm. I did it, but it never left, you know, that impression had never left. And so, um, and I, I was a Christian then, but uh, a new Christian. So it's, you know, I'm thankful I didn't start preaching then, but you know, it was just kind of one of those things that all throughout those seven years, even if I got, you know, like I had some idea that I was going to, let's say like, uh, do this kind of ministry or this kind of uh, profession, you know, um, for some reason, the Lord just kept bringing me back to that time when I saw that guy. And, and, you know, I know it sounds kind of like fluffy, but I tell you, dude, it was such a very strong impression, not, you know, not in the, not in like the charismatic sense, but in the sense of just knowing that, you know, this is something I need to do. And this is something the Lord, I, I strongly believe was calling me to. And, uh, first time I did it, I was in Santa Fe, uh, with my wife, we drove three and a half hours to get there. And, 
um, got out of the car because there were, we were living at the time. There was nowhere to open air preach, but I, I just had to do it. And so, uh, and I even talked to a pastor, the pastor I was, uh, where the church we're going to, then I talked to him. I said, Hey, I feel like the Lord's calling me to open air preach. He actually dis- dissuaded me from doing that in a sense. He, you know, was like, no, 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 don't do, don't do, you don't want to do that. But, uh, and I kind of listened to it, you know, um, I, I took his counsel, but it just got to the point where I thought, no, I've got to do this. So we drove three and a half hours, went to Santa Fe. Um, they have a plaza there in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And um, so we got there, we parked, we get out, and and I I didn't have the courage to do it. I was just so I was I was horrified. And uh, so my wife and I were literally like walking around this plaza like five or six times, and she's looking at me kind of like, well, "Are you are you going to do it?" You know, we drove all this way. I mean, <laughs> and I'm I'm just like trying to grip my teeth, and I'm thinking, "How am I going to do this?" I'm seeing the people, you know, and I'm thinking how. I'm imagining how they'll react, you know, and so uh, so we get back into the car and I couldn't do it. So we get back into the car, we start driving away, and then uh, I think we we almost got out of the city. We didn't quite get out of the city, and I said, this is crazy. I've got to do it. So I, we turn the car back around, go back to the plaza, get out of the car, and just like made a beeline for the center of the plaza, and I was trying not to like overthink it. You know, I thought, I'll just go do it. Don't think about it. So we uh, we walk um, straight from the plaza. My wife stands to the side and she's praying and I start preaching and, uh, it was kind of, you know, I mean, it, it, I preached probably for like five minutes. I mean, I was terrified the whole time. And the whole time I was preaching though, there was a homeless guy sitting on a bench, probably like 10 feet away from me. And he had a, he had a, um, uh, he made a gun with his finger, you know, like a, a oh, finger gun. Goodness. And the whole time I was preaching, he was banging that gun. <laughs> So I try not to think about, you know, I was like, oh man. Uh, whereas like today I would, I would, I would engage the guy and right. talk to him, you know, like in the preaching. Whereas then I was like, no, nah, just don't look at him. Don't try to, you know, pretend he's not there. So anyways, oh. man, uh, I, you know, I, I was hooked ever since. And so that was uh, like uh, six years ago, I guess. Okay. Years ago, so it's, okay. it's been that way ever since. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for sharing that. that that's really fascinating. And I, and I think that should be an encouraging story too for, you know, because, because I could definitely see, you know, you, you, the first time you go out to do this and it's like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And, and I think, right. you know, and, and I, I even think a little bit about, you know, getting started and in, in doing some blog writing or even doing some of the podcasting I do. It's like, what am right. I doing? <laughs> you know? yes. And so, I, right. I, you know, it, right. it, it, it is. yeah, you know, but if the Lord calls you to a work, I mean, he's going to give you the the tools and mm-hmm. the, the ability and the desire to do it. And and he certainly has exactly uh, right. has blessed the work that you've done. It's uh, so encouraging to hear uh, hear how you, how you got started and, and, and to see the way that uh, that you've blossomed. As, a, as an open-air preacher over the last few years. So I, I wanted to ask you, too, so you brought up when we were just starting at the, at the top of the interview, you were talking about being reformed. And in my sense of it, maybe you can correct me here if, if I'm not thinking right, but my sense of it is that the reformed tend to shun open-air preaching. But as a reformed Baptist, of course, you embrace it. So, so tell me, I mean, how do you square your reformed beliefs with, with open-air ministry? Right. Yeah. In fact, so so you're exactly right. First of all, I mean that that's unfortunately the case, and and maybe it's not just reformed people. I mean, I don't I don't know what it's like to be a open air preacher, and let's say like in our in in an Arminian camp. Mm-hmm. Um, the pastor I just mentioned of the church I was going to, who you know basically you know he told me not to do it. He was he was an Arminian. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's just re- the reformed camp, but I think there's definitely. The tendency, I, you know, with the reform guys, what happens is, is we become so 
enamored in the study in the books and which is good. I mean, I, I myself love that stuff. Um, but I think it's almost like we become so cautious as reformed people that everything has to, all the T's have to be uh, crossed. All the I's have to be dotted before we can do anything. Um, I, I, and I think that lends to a certain um, uh, almost like an incapacity to, to go and do like really weird, ambitious, crazy stuff. You know, I mean, look at William Carey, the, 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 uh, the pushback he got when he's trying to go to India. Right. Um, and of course we've moved a long way from that, but we're still fighting in a sense, a similar battle when it comes to, when it comes to evangelism. Um, and the thing about reformed evangelism, reformed open air preaching, I mean, the argument I always make is that really the, the only, the only ones who actually have a, a reason to open air preach are reformed Christians because we know that when we go out and we preach the sovereignty of God, the providence of God is going to make sure that his sheep are going to hear exactly what they need to hear. And not only that, but in the providence of God, we know that even those who are, let's say reprobate, they too are going to hear exactly what God wants them to hear in his providence so that we know that Every person out there, God has divinely, providentially brought by so that they will hear exactly what we are saying. And so I know that when I preach, whatever those people hear, even if they don't get saved or if they do get saved, whatever happens, right? It's up to the Lord. It's up to God. A non-reformed Christian cannot say that. That's a great answer. But a reformed Christian can say that. Yeah, that's a yeah. Gr- so we have a we have a real justification for it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great answer. And you know, and I, I like that that you brought in uh, William Carey into that because, of course, he was uh, he was a particular Baptist or a Reformed Baptist uh, from from Great Britain, from England, and it's kind of really. Right. I, I guess you could really call him the father of modern missions. Is is that correct? That uh, you know, that's interesting. You would have to because you have uh, you have Whitfield before mm-hmm. him and. But yeah, you, traditionally, I think you're right. William Carey uh, and his group there, but because um, you know, in a sense, yeah, I think I think Carey was probably more like we were talking about earlier, the uh, like explicit missionary, whereas Whitfield was maybe just more of an evangelist going around preaching, right? Even though he did cross the sea to do it, but yeah, I mean, Carey is certainly the guy who went to the quote unquote heathen, mm-hmm. whereas Whitfield was still going to English speaking people that are, you know, more or less, you know, in his, uh, in his people group outside of, of course, the, the slaves who he'd also preach to, but, right. uh, but yeah, yeah. So William Carey, yeah, I would agree. That's probably right. Yeah. Um, so I wanna, yeah. yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your, your book, uh, a certain sound, a primer on open air preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the title of your 2019 book and it's a book you co-authored with, uh, with Scott Smith, who I believe is also with you in the work in, uh, Christ in the wild ministries. Is that correct? No. So Scott has his own ministry called uh schoolmaster ministries. Okay. And he's out of, uh, he's out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, all right. And, Scott's good because he he has a lot more experience than I do. I mean, he's been doing it for like 15, you know, maybe 20 years. And uh, so he has a lot of practical wisdom. And so uh, a lot of the practical sections on this book are are his, Um, whereas the more theological ones are mine. And if you have any criticisms, they're probably Scott's. So (laughs) we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wait for him to... 
No, I'm just kidding. But I, I usually refer to Scott, you know, if somebody complains, I say, hey, talk to Scott about it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, yeah. t- tell me a little bit about the book, um, some of the, the main themes or big mm-hmm. takeaway points that you'd like readers to to get from it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's meant for it's meant for guys. What we were trying to do is write a book that we would have liked to read before we started preaching. And because um, there's not a lot of material, that's what got us writing it. And that's why that's why RHB picked it up, I think. Um, I mean, Joel Beakey writes the Ford because I, I, I and in fact, in the Ford, I think he even says something like it's the only uh, I don't have in front of me, but it's, it's basically he basically says, like, it's the only um, biblical, theologically sound treatise on open air preaching that I've ever read. And that's exactly in my experience. That's exactly also That's true. Also, you know, aside from the two chapters that Spurgeon has. Um, and so. It's a book. So when you're first starting out open air preaching, I mean, you're looking for resources, right? I mean, most let's say let's say I wanted to preach. Let's say I wanted to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. I can Google something or I can I can go on Amazon or whatnot. You know, your favorite bookstore, not Amazon right? um, and find a book on pastoring or, you know, like dozens, maybe 100 books on pastoring uh, or whatever the subject is. Whereas with open air preaching, there's nothing out there. There's really nothing out there, certainly not contemporary, which is important. Usually it's like, hey. If you want to read something good, don't read anything contemporary. Whereas right. with open air preaching, because the context is so fluid and we're dealing with certain, let's say, like uh, uh, legalities and certain venues and certain things like that that are going to be a lot different than, let's say, in the 1800s, it does need to be somewhat up to date. And so when we're writing this, um, well, let me back up. When I'm first open air preaching and I'm looking for this, I can't find anything, uh, even when I go to, let's say, like, YouTube videos, same problem. I mean, all I find there are, in fact, there are some books written by Pelagians, um, Arminians, shock and awe guys. And so nothing really sound. And so, uh, yeah, so Scott and I got together and we thought, well, let's write something that, that, um, to fill this void of, of, uh, you know, this lack of open air preaching literature and we'll fill the void and, and, uh, we'll keep in mind ourselves, before we started and maybe it'll be a benefit down the road and also for pastors. That's the other uh, audience we had in mind, the, the, the people who were a bit skeptical about open air preaching. Um, and so in a sense, even though Spurgeon, like the quote you just read, Spurgeon says, there's no defense needed. We still, you know, unfortunately we do need a defense um, because the, the detractors are going to be out there. And so the, the book tries to address those two things. And thirdly, for the let's say the veteran open air preacher, the seasoned open air preacher, I um, if if he's like me, I I am greatly benefited sometimes by books that I about content that I kind of already know, but it's 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 still uh, encouraging to read something along those lines, right. anyways. Especially if it's like open air preaching where there's nothing out there. So um, yeah, it's kind of like a threefold group that we had in mind um, when we struck out to write it. Okay, well, great. I mean, and, and that uh, you mentioned uh, RHB referring to uh, was it uh, Reformation Heritage Books? That's uh, right, and I believe that right. that's Joel Beakey. Yeah, that, that's his publishing house. Is that correct? That's correct. That's okay. correct. Yeah, and okay. he's they're publishing my the one coming out in April also on on evangelism. So okay, that's, that's just. That'll be a, that'll be for every Christian. Yeah, not just yeah. open air preachers. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've got my my advance copy of that already ordered. <laughs> so I'm looking, <laughs> okay. looking for. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. maybe yeah. we can get together you when that comes that. out yeah. and talk about that one. 
That'll be fun. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, hey, um, you know, since we're talking here some about open air preaching and all this, I thought it might be uh, be fun and interesting to give the uh, the listeners maybe a little bit of sample of your work. Uh, now, you've got a YouTube channel, Christ in the Wild Ministries, and it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of videos out that you have of going out to uh, a lot of college campuses, but not just college campuses, other places as well. But I found um, just a, a video, and this was from uh, it was uploaded, I see, in November of 2019. So it's, you know, maybe not quite a year and a half old or so. And the uh, the title of it is Campus Minister Outraged by Gospel Preaching Part 2. And I've got a couple mm-hmm. of clips here. And they're, they're, I'm going to play maybe about a minute, minute and a half of it or so. And i just like to like to listen to it and maybe get your reaction to it. Um, is, is once, once we, once I've played the clip. Uh, and just to give folks that are listening to this a little bit of a, uh, like kind of set the scene here a little bit. This is on a college campus and, um, you and it appears maybe one of your, your ministry partners, uh, are, are talking to a gentleman who is a, a, uh, a campus minister, and he's not real happy with, with your preaching method, I, I guess is the mm-hmm. way I would summarize it. That's correct. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so let me go ahead, and like I say, I'm going to go ahead and play that, and we'll listen to it, and we'll, we'll talk about it here. Just... I'm just saying this, bro. I'm trying to help you minister. Okay. Okay? That's, yeah. that's all I'm We're saying. asking you, why is it wrong to preach? It's not wrong to preach. Okay. okay? What was your name again? Ryan. Ryan. Nice. It's okay. not wrong to preach, okay? That's not what I'm saying. So what are you doing over here? What, what I'm saying is we want to preach in love. Not not tolerance, but preach well, in, in your love. View, I mean, how would he build do a, it differently? Build a friendship with him. How would he do it? How would he preach differently and it would be Absolutely. in love? Absolutely. You go, you go, we do it all the time. We have a Bible discussion. What That's we do, not preaching. That would be preaching. Well, look, look, let me out, guys. Hear me out, guys. We have a Bible discussion where we invite tons of students who are open, who are willing, who want to hear the message. And well, we do a lot Lots of people also. are not willing to hear the message. Right? Exactly. Exactly. See, what we're doing, we're preaching to the lost. You're trying to gather people that are willing to hear. Who, who could that, be that lost be as the well. Sheep. Who could be lost as well. Well, they wouldn't be willing to hear the, the message. You see, whenever you do friendship evangelism, that's, that's pretty deceitful, isn't it? No. Well, that you're well, trying well, to build a friendship well, it, so that well, later on you what can... I think, what I, I think there's a disconnect in what we're saying. Okay. What, what, what I'm saying is, just because someone's willing to hear the message does not automatically guarantee that they're saved. Okay, so you're you're having your uh, discussion here with uh, the the campus minister, and he he seems to like friendship evangelism, and he doesn't like what you're doing. So maybe you could could you kind of mm-hmm. highlight some of the differences between your approach and and what he's talking about? Yeah, so so his idea is that in order to properly evangelize the lost, you have to get them to a place where they're more willing to accept. Uh, the gospel. And so, in other words, there's a lot of preparatory work involved before you can actually talk about Jesus. And, um, and, you know, that's just the default position that he has. And, and, um, so in other words, yeah, you mentioned friendship. That's friendship evangelism is the idea that, um, if, you know, I have to be friendly, I have to, I have to befriend them before I can earn the right, um, quote unquote, to, to share Christ. Um, and of course, you know, just, to name a few problems uh, with that, um, number one is is nowhere to be found in Scripture. You you don't find that method anywhere in Scripture. In Scripture, you find people going to the lost directly, speaking to them about Christ, speaking to them about the things of God, um, and let the chips fall where they may. You know, um, of course, according to God's will. But um, secondly, you know, friendship evangelism is so. There's nothing wrong with evangelizing your friends and there's nothing wrong with being friendly when you evangelize or, you know, taking someone out for coffee or whatnot. 
Um, but what what's wrong about it is that he assumes that it's in part my friendship or my example that's going to save the person, not the gospel. You know, so he might say, oh, yeah, 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 we, we, we believe it's the gospel that saves. But what he's really saying is that it's, it's, it's my friendship plus the gospel. It's the gospel plus my friendship that actually saves. And so whereas we're with the assumption, going back to our theology, really is what it comes down to, uh, this, 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 that, that guy happens. We, we talked to the guy uh, later on down the road. He turns out he's a uh, Church of Christ, very Arminian, very, um, you know, libertarian, free will type guy. And so, you know, we have completely different views of man. We have completely different views, of course, him being Church of Christ, of the gospel. Um, but it's it's just, but it's not just him. I mean, this happens, this happens every single campus, unfortunately. I mean, it's it's like we deal more with hecklers who are professing Christians than, than we do with hecklers who are unbelievers, atheists, et cetera. Um, and, and, and to me, I can't think of any other reason for that. Uh, well, I can't, I mean, there's a few, but number one reason is theology. It's just bad theology that is in general in the American Christian church right now. You know, everyone's, uh, Arminian, everyone is, you know, more, you know, I'm generalizing, but that's the default position. And they have a, a view of man or a view of evangelism and a view of the church that states, well, if I offend somebody, I'm not effective. If you know that that's like the ultimate sin, right? To offend someone, to to, to be deemed um critical or judgmental, et cetera. And right. I mean I'd be the first to tell you that we need to um you know, we don't want to unnecessarily offend someone, so we don't want to be rude or harsh. Uh, or edgy things like that necessarily, but it doesn't mean that we can't offend someone because the gospel is going to f- offend people, and um, especially especially in our culture, man. This is a, as you know, Steve. This is a truth hating culture. So when you go to the to the unbelievers and you stand on the ground that not only is there truth, but I know what that truth is, and you're you're obligated to believe this truth. Well, then, of course, they're going to be offended. I don't care how you say it. Right. Um, right. Whereas he's not assuming that. He's assuming that if I really get friendly with somebody, then when I lay the gospel out, they're not going to get so upset with me and maybe they'll accept it. So it's really just a way to preserve their flesh is the way, you know, unconsciously probably. But that's what it comes down to. I think they're trying to protect themselves from persecution. Okay. So they've adopted this this method. But okay. it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Well, here, here's a second clip, and it's it's the same gentleman. And and according to the, the way your your video, it's, it says it's seven months later. So you're back on the same campus, but this time he's a little bit more animated because uh, instead of talking to you off to the side, he's actually uh, talking to the whole group that you're speaking with, and and he's you know he's basically calling you a Pharisee, if if I recall uh-huh. correctly. So let's he uh, sure let, does. yeah. So let me go ahead and play this clip here, and uh, we'll listen and, and talk about it. Sit in Moses' seat. And so it says right here, they tie up heavy loads and put on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move. Now, them. how am I doing that? Everything they do is done for men to see. They make philosophies, white on their garments. They said that. They said that. 
Christ right here, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. Yet you yourselves do not enter. Now how am I doing that, sir? Nor will you let those who are trying to enter, enter. None of these people are being won over by your words. No, it's You're Christ. trying to Amen. be heard. Amen. You're it's trying Christ. to preach who your saves? agenda. Who saves? They don't even want to do what you want to do. No, 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 it's Christ that but does it. You're right. Are, You're right. It's Christ side. alone. I just said three words. Yeah, they're unbelievers, sir. Of course they're on your side. But what okay, are, so this is uh, it was, it was a really interesting clip. And one of the things, I want to just comment on this myself. One of the things that, that I really find just amazing about your videos is how dynamic they are. You know, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm Presbyterian, okay? So, you know, Presbyterians, we like to do things decently and in good order, which is a good thing, okay? But, you know, you, you come in and, you know, you go to church, you go to Sunday school and, you know, maybe have a coffee or something and you go to the service and, you you know, you you maybe, you know, talk to some people ahead of time and then you sit down for the service and you, it, it goes and there's a certain a certain flow to it, which, again, I'm not criticizing that. I mean, I like sure. like things done decently in good order. But when you're outside and you're preaching these college crowds, I mean, it's just a completely different dynamic. I mean, you never know what right. somebody's going to do, what somebody's going to say, you know, like this guy's up here and he's yelling and carrying on <laughs> And calling you a Pharisee, and 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 you have to deal with this stuff. And I think one of the things that to me is just really fascinating is how you you, you handle working with uh, with with people, or how you you know there's the back and forth and 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 the the apologetics and that that you do. And uh, so anyway, mm -hmm. I didn't mean to step all over your your thoughts here on this, but that was just some of my thoughts no, as I was watching right. this. You're right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and he. That's that's that's. I mean, I, I, I didn't, well, I don't know. I, I was going to say I didn't expect it, but from that guy. Um, but I, I guess in a sense, it's kind of like, you just, you, you kind of get to the place where you're just not surprised by anything. You know, um, there are, there are a few things that still surprise me, but, but, um, someone getting to the point where they want to basically they'll, usually they'll find an object to stand on or something to try to preach over you. And, and they'll try to win the crowd over by, by by um very publicly denouncing what i'm saying and then they all cheer him and they're happy about what he's saying and and he goes away and he feels pretty good about himself and and i'm left to deal with with the aftermath there um and you know to me though it's it's like one of those things so again i mean if it's if it's if it's a, if if you're unnecessarily riling people up you know and it, it does get intense out there so um you know, I, I always tell students that, that are upset with my preaching, I say, or anybody, I say, well, I, I, and I mean it, you know, I've never preached perfectly ever, you know, so there's certainly uh, room for improvement. But but it is to say, I mean, like, you know, that that was that took place at UNM Albuquerque, my alma mater. It's a very nasty campus, um, one of the darkest campuses I've ever been to. And uh, and I try to go there regularly, but it, it's just one of those areas where if you have that kind of crowd that's on your side, um, and applauding you and approving of what you're saying, then you, you, it's probably not a good thing. And, uh, he sees it as a good thing, you mm -hmm. know, but, right. uh, but again, I mean, his theology is just, just whacked. It's just way out there. And right. so, um, whereas we're saying, yes, God, God can save these people as God hardened as they are, God can save them, but he's going to do it through the gospel. He's not going to do it through some kind of sugar-coated, watered-down anything. He's going to do it through the gospel. And so uh, that's what we're trying to stand on out there in the darkest places. That's why we go to the darkest places. And that's why when we go to the darkest places, we can use the same gospel that we're going to use at some place that, let's say, is more 
I was just at a, another campus in West Texas the other day. It's Bible Belt. Everyone's friendly, you know, and you don't really see the circus scenes like that. But um, I'm, I'm preaching the same gospel there as I am in University of New Mexico, where it's very vile. And that's because God, that's how, that's God's means of saving people. Um, but anyways, I mean, he has a different method. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, when you're, you're going out to preach, you know, and this is at the, at the new university of Mexico, Albuquerque, you know, you mentioned it was a dark place. There's a lot of hostility there, but just in, in general, mm-hmm. when you're going out to preach, how do you, how do you prepare to go out to a setting like this, um, mm-hmm. to, to preach? Yes. Um, you know, you, you definitely, the obvious answer is you want to be in prayer. You want to be prayerful. You want to uh, pray without ceasing. And so even when we're out there, you know, you want to have your mind on the things of God. And uh, so, so spiritually, that's one way to prepare, um, you know, make sure you're, uh, you know, just, just really just making sure you're a clean vessel and the Holy Spirit can use you. And then uh, more on a practical level, uh, you know, it's so... <laughs> So I usually start out just like you would in a pulpit, just preaching through a text, expository preaching. And so you find a passage that you're comfortable or you feel strong, strongly about, you know, that you're ready to preach. And uh, and you go out and preach. Now, at the college campus, though, depending on what campus, depending on what kind of circumstance you're dealing with, um, again, going back to campus I was at in West Texas last week, I go there and I set up and I have my Bible and I open the Bible and I start I start reading, I think it's through Romans one or something. And, and, uh, you know, I would say within 30 seconds, there's, there's a student that's kind of engaging me already. And usually the engagement is not about the passage you're reading from. Sometimes it is. I mean, especially if you're, you know, every, everyone these days, one, they want to talk about homosexuality and abortion and things like that. And so we'll definitely accommodate that and talk, talk to them about it. Um, so it doesn't mean that, so I can try to preach expositorily through the text. But once the student or whoever begins to engage me, uh, and people, open air preachers have different different methods on this. They some some guys will kind of just say, "Well, I'm preaching, you know, et cetera, Just listen. Whereas I, I mean, I go out there to engage the students. I go out there to dialogue with them, and so I I like the interaction. I like the conversation. I like their questions, and so I'll try to I'll try to answer them and and. Um, you know, try to respond to them in a biblical way and, and certainly in a way that, um, you know, like like answer a full according to his folly or, yeah, answer a full according to his folly and then don't answer a full according to his folly. Um, so I like to engage them. And so when you're preparing for something like that, uh, you know, I constantly, like you, Steve, I mean, we're constantly like researching, looking into things, trying to kind of keep afloat of what's going on in the culture, because these are some of the questions that are going to come at you. I also tr- certainly try to keep afloat when it comes to, let's say, um, apologetics as far as worldviews go and world beliefs and, you know, Hinduism, Roman Catholics, all these things. So you want to, uh, you know, I, I try to make sure that I'm, I, I know that area, um, atheism, all that stuff, know some of the background. Um, and, and, but here's the thing. The problem with that is you, because of the, our culture, as you know, is just kind of dumbed down right now. And so what happens is, is if you study something like, so, so for instance, if, if you're thinking, well, I cannot open, open air preach because I don't know all these things. I don't know about Roman Catholicism. I don't know about Hinduism. I don't know. The reality is, is neither do the people who say they're Roman Catholic usually. 
You know what I mean? I mean, it's right. like, okay, if you study, I'll give you an example. So I came out the other day and I said, uh, I said, okay, so, you know, somebody brought up homosexuality and I said, okay, it's, I remember when it was LGB and that was it. And now it's LGBTQ. And then I said, okay, what's the next letter? They say IA, right? And I said, yeah, but they added two letters. And I just found out they added two letters right. after IA. And it's, they, they added the letters PK. Well, nobody out there knew that. And so I'm over here and I know more about the community of the you know homosexual community than they do. So it's almost like, <laughs> um, it's, I guess it's easy to get lazy because nowadays it's like, I'm going to go out there and um, you, you know, going in that, and it helps too having done it a while or at least long enough where I've basically heard everything out there as far as the objections go. Um, every now and then there'll be something that's kind of like, huh, you know, I've never heard that, but after a couple of years of doing it, I promise, man, it's like whatever campus you go to. And I've been to Berkeley, I've been to Harvard, I've been to Yale, I've been to, you know, more, I guess most of the ones in Texas, I've been to UC, uh, uh, Boulder and Colorado. They, I mean, all over the place, right? The questions and the rejection never really changes the objections. They don't really change the, the apologetics that I'm using don't really change because it's almost like everyone's drinking the same poison and we have the biblical answer for, for all of it. And it doesn't really, doesn't really waver. So, um, long story short, that's how you would prepare, you know, that you want to be grounded. I try to read a lot of stuff on, let's say, uh, just cultural philosophy and theology treatments on, on that, you know, um, but over it's, it's like overkill in a sense, because I never, I never get that in depth with the students because, or with anyone really outside of Christians, because I just don't think that the mental capacity as far as how people are being taught these days can handle it. If yeah. that makes sense. And I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. I'm just saying that that's just the effects of our culture being so dumbed down. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think that that's a very good point. And I, I think one of the things I really appreciate about your ministry is, is the way that you, you engage people. I mean, I've, I've seen outdoor preachers before and they're simply that kind of, you know, they, they will preach whatever message it is that they're going to preach. And then they, they seem to, you know, close up shop and, and, and move on. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you actually actively engage your listeners. And, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. I think that's great the way that you, you use apologetics as, uh, as, as part of your, your open air preaching. Um, running a little bit short on time here. <laughs> my, uh, I'm afraid my, my Skype, I, I've, I had 58 minutes worth of, of time when I started the, uh, the interview <laughs> today. Uh, it's going to cut me off. So I, I don't want us to get cut off here. I've got about nine right. minutes right now. So I want to squeeze in a, a, a few more questions here for you. Um, I did want to ask you, uh, could you tell me about maybe some examples of uh, people who've, uh, when you've been doing ministry, where you've seen actually people come to Christ as a result of, uh, yeah. of the work you do? Sure. So uh, one's in, in El Paso, actually, and, and he's still walking with the Lord. Um, good brother, man. He uh, he was out there one day, and I was, uh, it was one of those days, I tell you, it was, it was, uh, I think it was the last week of the semester, and so nobody was out. I mean, finals week, nobody, just like a ghost town. So. Um, I, I, for what, usually I don't go, but for whatever reason, I, I went to the college there in El Paso and, uh, nobody was on campus. It, it actually, I mean, this is before Corona. This is how all colleges look nowadays with Corona, but I mean, nobody was out, you know? So I thought, well, I mean, I was thinking about going home, but then I was like, nah, I'll just, I'll just preach and see what happens. So I started preaching and 
uh, a young guy came and he sat uh, probably about 35 feet from me on this little concrete bench. And he just listened, man. So I just preached. I preached for probably 45 minutes. Um, didn't really engage him because he was just listening. And so uh, I, just, I just kept preaching. And so when I finished, he walked over and asked me a few questions. And I, I told him and, and uh, answered him and, and I gave him some contact information. And um, anyway, so he ended up contacting me. Uh, uh, first, it was about Mormons because he had the Mormons had talked to him also and the Mormons were going to his house. And so he asked me about Mormons. And so I sent him everything I had about Mormons. And so, uh, when they left his house, they came and visited his house. When they left, he texted me and said, okay, they're gone. He said, I didn't believe what they were saying. Now what, you know, like, what do I do now? And so, uh, I invited him to our church in El Paso and, and he came and he kept coming and coming and coming. And so, um, you know, that, that's been a couple of years. And so, uh, you know, he certainly, he was baptized about a year ago and, um, called out to the Lord. And then another one that's kind of neat is we were in Scotland two years, uh, about two and a half years ago now in the summer. And, uh, I met a guy and I didn't really remember meeting him, but we exchanged, I guess, Facebook information or something. So we were friends on Facebook. And, uh, and two years later, he Facebook messaged me and he said, Hey, this is so-and-so you probably don't remember me, but you guys were here two years ago preaching. And he said, and what you guys said stuck with me ever since. And he said, I just want you to know that I've, I've, I'm reading my Bible. I'm in a church and, and, you know, et cetera. And part of his backstory was that he was an unbeliever, you know? So anyways, I mean, he's, he's another guy. It looks like he's walking with the Lord. And then, uh, last semester, there was a guy who came out as an atheist. I mean, he was yelling at me every single time I'd go to this college, uh, about an hour from where we live right now. And he was, he would stand up on stuff and yell and this and that. And, uh, very, a very foul mouth kind of guy. He, uh, he followed me back to my car one time, just kind of really hot and angry. And so, uh, anyways, the semester goes on, we just kept preaching. He kept coming out and we'd engage him, you know? And so, uh, anyways, he, he kind of started changing like about halfway through the semester where his questions became different and he still had questions, but they were different. And as far as his demeanor goes, you know, they were more sincere. And, uh, at one point he asked for a Bible and I was, you know, sometimes they get the Bible and they like, they like chew it up and throw it in the fire or whatever. Right. And so he asked for a Bible and I was like, ah, what are you going to do with it? And he said, no, I just want to read it. And so we gave him a Bible. Um, he ended up, it looks like he's converted, man. I mean, this is he, over uh, Christmas break. He called on the name of the Lord. He was baptized. I've been texting him. That's the other thing I try to do. I, I try, you know, anybody that's interested, you know, um, guys, I'll, I'll text, I'll communicate with them. And, uh, um, do whatever I can to help them. You know, a lot of, I mean, I, I probably have like nine or 10 students that I actively am communicating with from these colleges. Um, praise the Lord. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. 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 So, so he ended up getting saved and it looks like he's saved. And so, uh, he's another guy, but it happens, you know, it happens a lot. And there's, there's, you know, I got, I got other stories that I could share at another time, but it certainly happens. So and it's always encouraging. Yeah, that, this is a very dry season. Yeah, that's that's great to be able to to have some to see actually see some fruit from your ministry. That has to be very mm-hmm. rewarding. So uh, that's uh, that's that's yeah. wonderful news. Well, I've got about five minutes of Skype time here left, and I got a couple of questions okay. here for you. Um, and one of them I just wanted to ask you about your upcoming book. Uh, this one's also published by Reformation Heritage Books. You had mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ten Modern Myths: A Biblical Corrective. So uh, just real quick, what's that? book about and uh, and where can listeners uh get an advanced copy of that yeah so a lot of it kind of deals with what we've talked about tonight as far as how important theology is when you're evangelizing how important uh 
your views of scripture, how important your view of man is. Uh, but it really, what it's doing, there's, there's 10 myths that I take on using scripture to debunk. And then I, I, I bring out a more biblical response, you know, like for instance, uh, hell should be left out when evangelizing. That's a myth. You know, that's something that kind of like people kind of think, or at least practically, even if not, uh, uh, admit it, you know, like as far as their minds go, I mean, they're practically living that way or evangelizing that way. So, you know, I, I explore that, for instance, I explore that topic and, and refute it biblically and show, um, why we can bring up hell and why it's okay to do so. Um, so that's one example of many, but yeah, so there's, there's 10 of them. Uh, and it's a, it's a book for anybody. I mean, it's like anybody can read it. Pastors, theologians, uh, you know, the guy next door who says he's a Christian. It's, uh, it's certainly written from a reform perspective, but you know, I think anybody could, could be able to, to read it. And, and, uh, you know, at least if they're Christians, man, they, it's, it's, biblically grounded so i think they'll be able to come around and see it yeah okay well that, that's great i i i know i went on uh went on amazon and i bought a copy i know that they haven't released it yet but i, I went ahead and I, I ordered it when it is released but you said that's due to be due out in it's april april I think it is. okay april yeah that's what they last i heard it was april okay so well, and that thing, before then, last last ones before then. Yeah, I, I like to think about April because here I sit and it's it's cold and snowy and icy and nasty, and I like hey, to man. think about April. It's going to be gone by then. <laughs> I, I tell you, dude, we got like four inches of snow in Central Texas over here. Oh my here. goodness! So, wow, that's why I'd like to be. I'd like to be in Ohio right now. Well, I don't know. We don't have it really any better here, so <laughs> you're, you're probably just <laughs> yeah, a, but. It's, it's supposed to be cold there. So if I if I'm True. in Ohio, at least I'm like, well, this is exactly what I'm expecting. Yes. I'm in Ohio. Yes. Yeah. Down yeah. here, you're like, oh man. So your mind's kind of frayed right now. Yeah. It's the it's Arctic the Circle. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, hey, one last thing here I wanted to mention. We've got a few minutes left. Um, where can people find your work online? I know I, I had mentioned there's a YouTube channel, uh, Christ in the Wild Ministries, out there. But uh, where else can people go to to follow your YouTube, work and support uh, you? Twitter, you can find me on Twitter. It's just Ryan Denton. Um, and then Facebook, of course, we have a ministry page, and I just have a personal page. And then ChristInTheWild.com is the website. You can you can find out more information, you know, uh, theologically as far as where we stand. And um, there's, I think there, there, we used to have a blog section that was doing pretty good. It was hard to find you know how it is. I mean, that's just a lot of work. So right. We 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 can only do so much. But there's there is content on there. You can find gospel tracks on there if you look for gospel tracks. So that's ChristInTheWild.com. Okay. Okay. Well, outstanding. Well, Ryan, it's been a real joy to be able to to catch up with you and and talk to you about the work you uh, that, that you're doing and uh, continue to, uh, to yeah continue to to pray for you and I, I hope that, uh, that the listeners uh, get a chance to uh, to follow your work as well. Thanks for stay, thanks so much for coming on the program. I appreciate it, Steve. Yes, sir. Hey. Looking forward to the next time. All right. Well, you're very welcome. And uh, that about wraps things up for uh, for today. So uh, for everybody listening, thanks so much for joining me on uh, on Radio Looks Licit. And uh, for my guest, uh, Ryan Denton, thank you uh, for, for your support and for your time. And I, I hope that this was, uh, this was edifying for you. Until next time, may the spirit of truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's Word. Good night, everybody. <laughs>